This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Monday, May 2nd, and today we'll be looking at the latest from the weekend in the NBA playoffs. We'll also be putting the fourth round of fantasy leagues under the microscope. Which players will we be targeting from that round next season and where will we be taking them? That and more is coming up in just a minute as I'm joined, as always, on Mondays by Steve Alexander. Steve, how's the how's the weekend? I gotta know. This is before we can begin a new week, I have to know how your weekend was. Uh, it was good, man. I we went out, did some boating on Lake Lanier on Saturday. A little bit of boating. A little boating. Uh, are we talking sailboating, motorboat? Uh, what are what kind of craft like are we a on? Ski boat. I okay. call it a ski boat, okay. and uh, it was it had just yeah, been sure. winterized, and uh, someone forgot Timely. to check to make sure the bottom plug was plugged back in. So we were taking on water rapidly. Oh, no. We had to keep moving at a high rate of speed, and uh, I thought wow. we were going to be on a sinking ship. And man, I was most scared because I had I had like a six pack of tropicaya with me and that's very very expensive sure. beverage and i was really worried that it was going to go to the bottom of lake lanier i wasn't so worried about the people that were on the boat but you were you weren't so worried about yourself sinking to the bottom of the lake you just had to keep make sure the six pack was above water more worried about the 12 dollars six pack save, yeah save the beer yeah and then uh played played some golf on sunday that was fun and nascar got rained out uh on sunday so now it's noon on monday matt we've got a nascar race firing up oh man i'm in heaven wow wow congratulations hey thanks things thanks. are things are really working out for you here this things, things are really looking up <laughs> let's look at what happened in the nba playoffs over the weekend we're also as i said going to talk about the fourth round players from this past season and our thoughts on them as we continue that series but let's quickly review what happened on sunday steve the bucks went to boston Beat the Celtics 101-89, triple-double for Giannis, 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists for Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum 6 for 18, Boston, their lowest point total since late December. Kind of a stunner would be too strong a word because Milwaukee are the defending champs, but but kind of, I mean, a, a statement for sure. Yeah, Bobby Portis had a double-double also. Tatum shot six of 18. Jalen yeah. shot four of 13. That'll do Marcus it. Smart, three of 11. So the Celtics were sort of bamboozled, which is interesting because Milwaukee didn't even have Chris Middleton. Yeah. And the Bucks still kind of just walked all over the Celtics. And I think, I think this might have been a wake up call to people who thought Boston were just going to roll the East because a lot of people thought Boston was just going to roll the East. And it's one game. As you like to say, man. Yeah. So it's not over by any stretch. And Giannis and the Bucks played really well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. But man, for that being the first game and having it being at Boston, right? Uh, yep. It's tough. By the way, I mean, 
we said Tatum shot six for 18, Jalen Brown four for 13. Giannis shot nine for 25. So it's not like he was flawless in that game. He did have a triple double, but I mean, you know, they didn't even get a perfect performance out of their stars. You know, Holiday was eight for 20, Giannis was nine for 25. So they didn't even necessarily shoot lights out and uh, they won. So, yeah, but it was 41% to 33%, which is at the end of the day, that's a, a 10 per 8% is a lot. So, but yeah, you're right. It's not like the Bucks shot it lights out. All right. The second game on Sunday was the Warriors 117, the Grizzlies 116. This was a thriller, Steve. Jordan Poole had 31 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, five threes, bounced back in a huge way after a couple of quiet games. And we got the uh, we got the monster Jaron Jackson Jr. game we've been waiting for. 33 points, 10 rebounds, six three-pointers. Now, where has that been? Where has that Jaron Jackson Jr. game been? I mean, I came home from golf. And, Matt, I'm not going to lie. I, I laid down, took a little nap. I was in and out. I woke up, and this game was on my TV, but it was also over. So I had to rewind and watch. I watched the last two minutes again. And Yeah. Uh, or for the first time, maybe. Some things that happened in that final two minutes is Andrew Wiggins on one possession had two huge offensive rebounds that really were like the play of the game, I thought. like he, They were just crazy hustle plays. Steph Curry missed a wide-open three, but Clay Thompson knocked a wide-open three down. Mm-hmm. Um, all this happened with Draymond Green, what, ejected in the second quarter, right? Ejected, yeah. He, he was gone early. And then... For the Grizzlies, I thought Golden State played great defense on them that last possession, but they ran a pretty cool play for Ja to get the ball in his hands and, and have a shot at a layup. And as my son said to me this morning on our way to school, he's like, man, Ja missed a layup last night, game-winning layup. I'm like, I think you can say that, but that was not an easy shot. That yeah. was not like a gimme type of layup. That was, that was him going full speed and being pretty far away from the basket trying to make a play. Yeah, I, I sort of expect him to make those now, but like you said, that was not an easy one. 14 for 31 from the floor for him, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists. And by the way, Clay Thompson made that three, but then in a real stunning moment, missed two free throws that even to, to set up Memphis for that game-winning chance. And that was that was wild. I meant to say that, and it reminded me of the game over the weekend. Uh, who was it, Matt? Somebody... Did, oh, uh, Mike Conley's travel at the end of that game against Dallas was crazy, too. Uh, I I was pretty surprised to see Clay miss those free throws. And also, I've seen, I feel like we've seen Steph Curry miss a lot of free throws in these playoffs. Like, And a lot for him is probably like three. But it, it, <laughs> yeah. seems like, it seems like they're not shooting it as well at the line as they normally do. Time Lord, Robert Williams, was back in the starting lineup for the first time since returning from his injury. Had six points, eight rebounds, one steal, three blocks. We we may get one more chance in DFS with him having a relatively low salary. I think he was 4900 on FanDuel yesterday. But, uh, yeah, looks like he is trending toward being all the way back. Yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see what they do to Jaron Jackson's price as well. And also Brandon Clark, because if Jaron Jackson is going to ball out, Brandon Clark's going to have a harder time getting his numbers. And mm-hmm. as far as the time Lord goes, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see him healthy and playing. And uh, his price is going to be going up soon. Worth noting, though, that Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. played a combined 60 minutes. So 
sharing the floor. And Clark still came through with 12 points, nine rebounds, two assists, two blocks in his 30 minutes. And Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, just as easily could be in massive foul trouble next game. I just, I remember following that game along and I was like, over oh, three minutes in, Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't have a foul yet. This could be, this could be a big day. I do not expect him to do this again in game two or in the, yeah, in game two, because we haven't seen him do it like back to back games all year. So I, I would, I fully expect Jaron Jackson Jr. to, you know, regress to the, to the mean. I mean, on the positive side, he did in the last game against Minnesota have 18 points, 14 rebounds, a steal and two blocks. So maybe, but he did have five fouls in that game, man, his personal fouls have just been crazy in that Minnesota series. His personal fouls were five, four, five, six, six, five, and he had only three yesterday. So, step in the right direction. Um, by the way, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy we're going to talk about in more detail when we talk about the fourth round players on a per game basis in a minute. But let's quickly look ahead to Monday. Uh, Sixers and the Heat start their Eastern Conference semifinal series. Obviously, we know that Joel Embiid is out, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, for games one and two. That's the expectation, but he could be back for games three or four. And we know that Kyle Lowry is out for game one for Miami. So Steve, what are your thoughts on this one? Man, Kyle Lowry's had a rough, had a rough go of it the last few months. I remember at the end of the the regular season when our playoffs were all going on, I was like, I'm cutting, I'm cutting Kyle Lowry. And you're like, no, don't do it. And I, I was like, I can't, I can't take it anymore. Um, and then we're, we're still dealing with the same thing uh, later. And it was there several times during the season he was, he was not playing, so that was kind of rough. The Joel, the Joel Embiid injury stuff is just completely depressing. I don't care yeah. if you can't stand the Sixers or totally root against the Sixers. It's still not right. Uh, and I, I remember seeing him get hit in the eye by that elbow the other night. And you know, I, I wrote that blurb, and I was like, hopefully he's okay. You know, it was the yeah. It was a it was his probably last play of the game anyway. They were getting ready to take him out, so it's sort of like when Luca got hurt at the end of the regular season. Um, should either of those guys even been in the game at that point? So it's very disappointing. It's very sad. I'm sad for the Sixers and their fans. Um, the Heat are such a well functioning, well oiled machine that I them missing Lowry doesn't appear to even really slow them down much at all. But you take. And beat off the Sixers, and that's that's massive. Yeah, that's obviously. not a that's not even in the galaxy of a one for one swap taking those guys off each team. And I'm I'm just curious, Steve, as we get into this game, what is the what is James Harden's role and box score and production going to look like? Because he had one of his better games with the Sixers in that closeout game against the Raptors. You know, 22 points, 15 assists, and he shot seven for 12 in a series where he shot like 40. percent He hasn't been shooting it well, and he hasn't been shooting a lot either. So, what is it going to look like? Presumably, Harden is going to be asked to do a lot more on offense, but against Miami's defense, when he's already been struggling to shoot, it just feels like a recipe for like an eight for 23 game or something like that. But it's going to be hard not to use him in DFS on Monday night, even with all that said. There's a there's a decent chance he could just be terrible, and there's also a decent chance he could put up a vintage James Harden line, you know, from yeah. two years ago. And I think with Adam Beat out there, the chances of him succeeding are better than him failing. But I also think it helps Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. Obviously, you know, he could go out there and score forty. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that that kid has just not blinked one time in the last two months. So 
if I'm setting a DFS lineup tonight, which I don't know if me and my boys are playing or not, but if well, if we get, are, you gotta get that sorted out, Steve. It's twelve o'clock. You got like seven hours. We haven't been playing the last couple couple days. I don't know what's going on, but if 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 we are, uh, I'm going to have James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey, and Tobias Harris in that lineup, and Luca, of course. Well, and that's where we're going to go next. By the way, Tyrese Maxey coming off a 25.8 assist game in the last game against the Raptors. Let's go to that Mavs Suns series. Uh, game one. How are you feeling? What What are your thoughts here? Can your Can your Dallas Mavericks get this done? Feeling pretty good, Matt. Um, are you feeling? I was telling Soren on the way to school this morning. I was like, "Now listen, the Suns have beaten the Mavericks nine straight times. I'm aware of this. Everybody's aware of this." They also beat them three times in a row this season. But two of those games, there was no Luka. And all three of those games, the Suns were losing going into the fourth quarter. Um, Luka's healthy, feeling good. The Mavs are fired up to be out of the first round for the first time since like 2012 or something, 11. And um, Devin Booker's kind of banged up. We don't know. You know, he didn't look great in that last game. It's going to take him a little time to get reacclimated, I think. Chris Paul's, what, 62 years old and uh, coming off his 14 for 14 incredible performance. So that can't that can't last, right? So I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Okay. I don't know. Cam, according to our latest blurb on NBC Sports Edge, Cam Johnson says Booker looks good. He's looking good. Heading to game one. Cam Johnson spends a lot of time with Devin Booker, and I'm sitting in my mom's attic in the mountains of Georgia. So, I mean, I probably would take Cam Cam's word on that over mine. But, I mean, in, in fairness, I mean, if Cam Johnson is asked directly, I don't know what happened. If he's asked directly, how does Devin Booker look? He's not going to be like, ah, he's looking pretty bad. I don't think he's healed. Man, it, today was rough at practice. He, he wasn't moving good. well. It's not good. All right. We are going to review the fourth round of Fantasy Leagues and talk about some of the guys we just mentioned. But first, we will take a quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
A reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League, on the PGA Tour, and NASCAR circuit. Okay, Steve, here it is. We've done this the last three weeks. It was for the first round, the second round, and the third round. We've done about 12 players each Monday. In fact, exactly 12 players. So let's jump into this. The fourth round of fantasy leagues we do this on per game production not on total production so the number 37 player aka the first player to finish with fourth round, fourth round value is darius garland uh around 22 points per game eight and a half assists 1.3 steals 2.5 threes the turnovers were high but that's really the only gripe we could possibly have about this guy and i don't think there's any chance anyone's getting him in the fourth round of a fantasy league next year no they're not <laughs> and the the whole thing about per game averages versus total fantasy scoring is huge in these rankings because per game doesn't take into account uh, how many games a player missed obviously so right right that's where the that's where the big difference comes in there but garland man he was so good all season long and really a breakout performance for him um really really enjoy Darius Garland's game. I did not have any shares of Garland this season, but I may try to mix that up and change that next year. The second round is crowded, but if he feels like a guy who's going to have a second round ADP, most likely, I would imagine. Uh, I don't think he's going to get past the second round. I could see him falling to maybe early third in some leagues, but not many. I'm going to try to do something real quick while we're here. I just want to see what Garland looks like if you punt turnovers at the risk of taking too long to do this but i can do this pretty fast i think i'm gonna predict that he i'm gonna go ahead and say that he goes way higher if you punt turnovers to okay he's a second round player 3.7 a game right he jumps to 23rd overall if you punt turnovers and it's to the point where i I don't i don't know how healthy of an exercise it is to try to build a fantasy team worried about every single category because all the good players turn the ball over a ton. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. So, I mean, I almost just throw that one, that one out from the get-go. Now, if you – and the guys that don't I, – I don't know. I hate – I just am not a big fan of turnovers. Um, no, I agree. I agree. We need a ninth category, though. And free throw shooting. You know, there's, there's Shaq free throw devastation, and there's Luka free throw devastation. And yeah. one of them is truly devastation, and one of them is just kind of a, a buzzkill. One um, of them costs you fantasy leagues. One of them costs you a jersey, is how I put it. <laughs> that is perfect. I might need to put that on a t-shirt, actually. Uh, <laughs> on a jersey. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I think Garland is going to go in the second round of almost every draft. The next guy up is DeAndre Ayton, who finished 38th overall. 17.5 points, 10.2 rebounds. Just .7 steals and .7 blocks. Therein lie the issues with his fantasy line as far as i'm concerned and that's a disappointment in blocks because he went from 1.2 to 0.7 now we've seen him in the playoffs be better in that regard he's had some some big playoff games again the second consecutive year steve and remember last year how much at this time how much we were talking about or as the playoffs went on how much we were talking about Aiden and oh what are we going to do now that he's had this big playoffs where are we going to draft him etc i don't I don't. I think this is where I would draft. I think he's in the, kind of the right spot for me. 
Yeah, I think we covered it last year. We covered it this year. Now he he had a very good season this year. Like he he played very he did. well. Did um, an early fourth round value for him is is pretty. It's pretty good. But I think that's where he belongs. I'm I'm with you. It depends on what centers get taken in round three for me. Like if yeah. if they if everybody's ignoring those injury prone guys and taking centers, if if there's a center run, I'll take Aiden um fairly early third round but if it's a regular draft and nothing crazy has happened i'm probably just gonna take aiden exactly where he belongs and matt we have a we have a viewer comment about aiden that uh, i thought i would throw up there albert mariquin says should i play aiden in dfs tonight so i thought since we were talking about aiden we might as well throw that in there too okay not having looked at his salary yet this morning it's not it's not low i mean he's one of he's one of the higher salaried centers out there he is i mean i, I somehow don't typically end up with aiden but i mean it's only two games tonight so i could i could see it happening do you have any any strong feelings about aiden versus dallas i would have to double check his numbers against them here's my thing dallas doesn't really play centers so dwight powell yeah. Dwight Powell is going to have – he's going to probably be in there against Aiton at all times tonight and stay in there until they foul him out. Um, so, And Dwight Powell is like $4,000. DeAndre Aiton's 8500 or whatever he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, as I said um, earlier, I, we want those Sixers. We want James Harden. We want some right. of these guys that are going to be super – Luca. we want these expensive guys. I'm probably just going to throw Dwight Powell out there at center and ignore DeAndre Aiton tonight. Two games against the Mavs this year, very small sample size, 13 and a half points, 15 rebounds, two assists. So again, a typical Aiton performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm I'm kind of I I can I don't have strong feelings about playing or not playing Aiton tonight. I think I think it's perfectly safe, a, a perfectly safe floor play, you know? Yeah. At worst. I just think he's gonna be he's gonna be expensive. Number 39 was Anthony Edwards, finished just short of 20, 22 points per game, just short of five rebounds, just sh- short of four assists, 1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks, around three three-pointers per game. This was a good, not great regular season for Anthony Edwards. I mean, I think some of us, myself included, drafted him thinking there was a chance for a real, real explosion here, and it didn't quite happen. He was not a disappointment. He was a perfectly fine guy to have on a fantasy team but for a guy who's so exciting i mean i won't call these stats serviceable i think that would do them a disservice steve but <laughs> I, I like I, th- I thought there might be a little more ceiling and particularly particularly in points the 21.7 number surprised me a little bit and maybe my expectations were too high he's super young and i think 25 plus is still well within his range of outcomes even for this upcoming season well i do think that his playoff performance has to get you kind of fired up going into the next season. I read something on Twitter. I think he's the youngest player in NBA history to score as many points as he did in the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The first 20 year old to score that many points or whatever it was. Uh, and he, he scored a lot of points this season. Now he did appear to hit a bit of a wall sometime around the all-star break when yeah, I, I, I remember him going from very reliable I'm playing this guy every night too. Oh man, he had six points last night and 14 the other night. And and it, it wasn't a super long stretch, but it was enough that it, I think it hurt his numbers a bit. 
and really slowed down the momentum he had going. But I think if you would have told me when Anthony Edwards got drafted, um, he's going to shoot, you know, 79% from the line and 44 from the field. And he's going to score all these points. And he's, he's going to be the man in Minnesota behind Carl Anthony Towns and return early fourth round value. I'd be like, that's encouraging. And I, I really think he has a chance to fully blow up next year. I'm, I would reach for Edwards in the third. I think he's he's my he's more my kind of guy than your kind of guy. I think. Uh, I mean, no, I, I I didn't mean to sound like I was down on him. I I like him quite a bit. I just I thought maybe we'd see a little more of even an eruption than we did, and it wasn't a bad season. That, that's all I'm saying. It was a it wasn't a bad season at all. But it you could argue it could have been better even. And I just think that speaks to his ceiling. So I'm not trying to say that. Uh, I'm not excited. I do have to report, though, that I did a mild goof when it comes to the rankings, Steve. Can I can I report this real quick? Did you you're doing including the playoffs, aren't you? I did because the your order. I I always do that. And your order is following my order. Exactly. For the first time that we've done this process. And I was like, oh, this is weird. They're all matching up. I mean, it's almost the same guys with with almost with no exception. So. What, do you want to keep going the direction we are headed? And then here's what I propose we do. It, it Like I said, it I think like 11 of the names overlap. So it's not that big of a deal. We're talking about fourth round guys. We're going to keep going down this list. Uh, and we'll make a couple adjustments at the end because the regular season only version includes a certain Memphis Grizzlies point guard that I'd like to talk about today. Does that work for you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just too lazy to change it over. I, I know you do it, and then I just find the guy you're talking about. Yeah. I So, anyways, if you're if you're trying to follow along with us, that's why there's a tiny bit of a discrepancy. But as I said, it's basically the same players with a few names moved around in terms of numbers. The next guy is one we already talked about. Okay, now i got to make sure I'm looking at the right rank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, this one. Jaron Jackson Jr. was 40th overall. Anything to add? I mean, a, a great, a really good fantasy player this past season, around 16 points per game, six rebounds, just short of one steal, had basically 2.3 blocks, 1.7 threes. I mean, there's a lot to like. It's a little weird that he shot below 42% from the floor, but I think that's a function of the way he plays and, you know, shooting a lot of threes, et cetera. He's kind of an, an odd big man in real life and I guess in fantasy a little bit, but a fun guy to have on your roster. And I mean... Again, you're not getting him in the fourth round. Yeah, and this, I guess the biggest question for me here is this Jaron Jackson Jr. Is this who we're going to get? Steals, mm-hmm. blocks, threes, poor shooting, decent rebounds, but nothing that blows your mind. Or is he just getting things figured out and he's going to turn into the monster superstar that Jonas thinks is coming? Like that's That's the question, and I'm not sure what mm-hmm. the answer is yet. What we saw in that playoff game on Sunday was was certainly encouraging and in the right direction. But it's a good thing that personal fouls do not count against you like turnovers do, or he would be in a world of hurt. Yeah, is the superstar coming? I mean, we saw his points per game go up by about two this year. The rebounds only went up a tiny bit. The blocks went up from 1.6 to 2.3. So I, I think you the nice thing about this one is – we know kind of what the worst case scenario is, and you, and you're also getting a swing for the fences, you know, a, a bet on him making a leap, you know, and and becoming that fantasy superstar. So I really like him. I don't I don't know. 
can you get him in the third round? Do you think, Steve? I mean, you and I don't need to worry about it because Jonas is in all of our leagues, and I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's like you playing in yeah, a league sure. with me and being like, "Hey, I wonder if I can get Luca in the second round." Well, guess yeah. what? You can't. Um, yeah. And it's the same as it's going to be for Jaron Jackson because Jonas yeah. is still going to take him everywhere. And I think a lot of people are going to are going to listen to Jonas and and hitch their wagon to Jaron Jackson Jr. and take him in the you know, the late second round or the early third round. And I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be available in round four in a lot of leagues just because he's yeah. so young. I agreed. DeMontis Sabonis is right around here, uh, 41st in the, including playoffs rankings, 40th if you don't include playoffs. But this was an interesting one because he had a good season, you know, around 19 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. But in a way, there's an aspect of it that's a little disappointing. And especially, we know he's not a big defensive stats guy, but 1.0 steals, 0.4 blocks is a big letdown for me, Steve. And I don't know. Did you take a look at his free throw shooting, Matt? 74. Very Luca, Luca esque free yeah. throw percentage there. I mean, remember how good he was down the stretch last season? And we, we were all thinking, man, this guy could absolutely explode this year. He was really, really solid, but it didn't quite happen. Man, I'm getting some crazy buzzing noise when you're talking into your microphone now. Like right now, it's silent. Yes. Every time you talk something, and it just started just a second ago. So I don't know what that is. Maybe I'll leave and come back. Okay, I'll see you in a minute. Uh, Hey, everybody. Matt is on his way out of the room and back into the room. He should be here in just a second. We're talking about Demonis Sabonis. I'll go ahead and say that I... I'm not a huge Sabonis guy anymore. And the move to the Kings doesn't thrill me. And the fact that the Pacers were able to trade Demonis Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton is going to go down as one of the steals uh, in NBA draft history. So that's my take on it, Matt. Are you back? Is your microphone working? I don't know. How's it sound now? Oh, oh, you sound tremendous. Okay. Okay. We're back. Well done. I was enjoying the little chat, little chat from Dr. A there. I, I was ready to just put my feet up on the desk and sit back and listen to you talk about Sabonis for a while. Yeah, if you need me to take over this, I, I can do it. Uh, I'm going to the driving But room. I figured I, instead of instead of just sitting here staring blankly into the camera, I figured I would I would speak. But yeah, like I said, man, I'm not a Sabonis guy. That point four blocks mm-hmm. and the one steal and the... I just, I don't know, man. I mean, if I just need a guy who scores 20 points and gets 12 boards, I can find that somewhere else. And yeah, I mean, a combined two steals, blocks, and threes, that's, that's a letdown. You know, we, we need more. If he's hitting, you know, a bunch of threes, but not getting me blocks, then I feel like I'm getting some value back, but yeah, no. Well, I'm going to put it this way. He's not a guy that I go into a draft and have circled on my sheet going, I need to come out of this draft with Demonis Sabonis. Now, there's tons of scenarios where if he's sitting there in the fourth round and I need a center, I'll take him. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not opposed to drafting him, but I'm I'm just not going to be targeting. Yeah. Agreed. Chris Middleton, I don't think we need to say a lot about not only is he currently injured, but he's just darn reliable and pretty steady. I mean, do you have anything to add? Chris Middleton feels like another guy who you know, you kind of know what you're doing. You kind of know what you're getting. It's a safety play, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just build your roster accordingly. Kind of boring, but kind of good. Like, he's a good player. And Milwaukee's really going to miss him in the playoffs. I- I'm with you. Uh, 
Middleton's a safe pick. He's a safe fourth round pick. Yep. Now, hopefully this hopefully this injury uh, doesn't linger in the next year or, or become a thing, but he's pretty safe. Bam out of bio finished, depending on which rankings you're looking at, in the 39 to 43 range. He was, I mean, I guess you could call this season a little bit of a letdown, right? Because of the time missed. And when you look at the season ending numbers, they're good. Around 19 points, 10 boards, three and a half assists. Which rankings am I looking at? Uh, yeah, 1.4 steals, 0.8 blocks. I mean, it's a little underwhelming, but also his last 38 games, I looked this up, he had 1.6 steals, 1.0 blocks. So he was better down the stretch there. You're not getting him in the fourth round. So Steve, right? Isn't he going to go closer to second round? Wouldn't you imagine just given his resume and age, et cetera? Well, after this season, I'm second or third. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be there in the fourth. I feel like we were really like, I remember Bam from the previous season, constantly flirting with triple doubles and you have these nine assist games like once a week, it seemed like. And I was like, man, if he can take that to the next level and just become a triple double guy, you know, have eight triple doubles a year or whatever, that would be pretty amazing. But I don't feel like that really happened. And I, I feel like, feel like Bam is headed in the wrong direction as far as the future goes. There's, so uh, just like Sabonis, I'm not going to avoid Bam Adebayo by any stretch, but I'm not going to reach for him in the second or third round either. The, the things that concern you are the free throw percentage went from basically 80 to 75 in the course of one season, and the assists went from 5.4 to 3.4 in the course of one season. Those are slightly alarming signs. So maybe for that reason, he's going in the third, and it's, and it's a, a great, you know, not even gamble, but great swing at upside. That's a good call. I wasn't even looking, like comparing the numbers from the two seasons. And um, I guess that that means that I'm not crazy. He was flirting with triple doubles with assists that previous season. And his assist to a game over, what, 60, 60 games? It's 120-something assists that he had fewer of yeah. this season than last. So that's weird uh another guy we don't need to say a lot about al horford was a top 50 player a fourth round player this season i mean he's he was somehow both fun and really aggravating to have on your team because there would be stretches where you didn't feel like you could have him in your lineup and then he would explode he had some big games i mean he finished the season with let's see right around 10 points 7.7 rebounds 3.4 assists 1.3 blocks 1.33 pointers good percentages never turned it over I mean, he's pretty serviceable, Steve. He's obviously getting up there in age, but I think because of the boredom factor that people have with Al Horford, you have a shot at a top 50 guy that you don't have to take in the top 50. That's that's the sell on Al Horford, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's another year older next year. I don't. I just don't see people taking taking him in the fourth. No. In, in the fourth round. I just don't see it happening. So, I mean, but you might get him in the seventh, and it might be worth it there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it is worth it. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Zach Levine was also in this range, number 45. Um, you know, is there a lot really to say about Levine? Like, I, I we both like him, I think. The defensive stats are a little frustrating. Less than one combined steal and block. Other than that, the whole thing is pretty fun. He slowed down a little bit with the knee trouble down the stretch. But heading into next year, uh, he'd be he'd well worth taking and... This is yet another guy who finished with fourth round value who's not going to go in the fourth round. 
Well, and I feel like the knee trouble has become a recurring theme year after year. So I'm, I'm not as high on Levine as I once was. He's, he's getting, he's getting older. He's getting more mileage on those legs. And I, I do worry about injuries with him, worry about his knees. So I, I am a Levine guy. He, I, I really have enjoyed drafting him and having him on my teams over the years, but I think that that ship may have sailed. Wow. So you're fully out on Levine. It's over for you. I'm not fully out, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reaching for Levine. Okay. I guess when I say I'm out, I'm not reaching for okay. somebody because every pick I make is pretty much a reach. What are your feelings on Gary Trent Jr. who emerged as a fourth round player this year, finished with about 18 points, uh, the rebounds and assists weren't anything special at all. 2.7 boards, 2.0 assists, but had 1.8 steals and 3.03s. That's the exciting part of Gary Trent Jr. Is he worth the fourth round investment to you? I don't feel like he is because, like you said, he's threes and steals and points. And it's a lot of threes, a lot of threes and steals. The, the, the steals value is pretty tremendous. 1.8 is a big number. It is. It is. And it's, it's a good number, but. I, I I understand. I, don't know. There's, I understand. There's probably other players in that in that that are more diverse and do more do more stuff that I would probably be targeting. I agree. I'm not going to feel great if I walk away from a draft and Trent was the fourth player I drafted, even though he was a fourth round player. I'm not going to look at that and say, uh, "Crush that draft." Let's see. Just a couple more names to hit, and this is where I'm going to go back to the what the original rankings that. Don't include the playoffs because I want to talk to you about two guys we mentioned last week that we would talk about. Damian Lillard on a per game basis was number 47. He only played in the, what was it? 29 games. When he played, he was in some ways Lillard, 24 points, 7.3 assists, but in some ways he wasn't. He had just 0.6 steals. He shot just 40%. Obviously the abdominal injury, hugely responsible, but Lillard gets, is is getting older. Uh, what do you do, Steve? What do you do with Lillard? Where where do you imagine he's going to go, and where should he go? If the abdominal strain is out of the way and he's he's good to go, I think he goes right back up towards the top because I, he was he was hurt. Clearly, he mm -hmm. was hurt the season prior to this one, and he was hurt this season. And I think out of everybody, I was the least surprised that he shut down because. I, I even sort of felt like it was coming. I was super excited to tell everybody to go get the pickup of the year. What's his name, Matt? Wait. What's that kid's name? What are you talking about? Oh, oh Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons. Simons, right. Simons. And Simons got hurt also, so that was a buzzkill. But I feel like Dame's going to come into this season 100% healthy, and he's going to be on a mission. So I'm not scared to draft Damon Lillard late first round, sometime in the second round. Last thing I want to talk about, he was number 48 in the non-category league on a per-game basis, not including playoffs. Ja Morant, Steve. King. Ja King. Morant. So King ja. this is a, a super interesting case because he was better than we both expected in fantasy. Uh, finished with 27.4 points, 5.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.5 threes. 76 from the free throw line, which is kind of like you like to say, it's not going to crush your team, though he did have a lot of attempts, over seven per game, and the 3.4 turnovers. There is not a galaxy in which Ja is going to go in the fourth round. So what is the right time to take him? I mean, is he 
going to go in the second round? And and should he go there? What where are you with this whole thing? He is going to go in the second round. He he's too big of a name. Too many people love him unconditionally. Yeah. That in any 12 man fantasy league you find, someone's gonna take John in the second round. And someone a lot of leagues, somebody's gonna take him at the end of the first yeah. round. Uh I think that's I'm right. just planning on being being out out of the jaw mix because he's going to go too too high for what I'm willing to pay. It'd be real cool if there was a world where you could somehow get Jaw and Luca onto the same fantasy team. Those those number sets overlap real nicely in terms of if you're just saying I'm not going to really worry about free throws and turnovers too much. It, that world does exist, Matt. It's called a uh, well, what do we call it now? A salary cap league. Oh yes, where you, yes. Where you that's true you know, bid on players. Yeah. You can get Ja and Luca in one of I those. I see that in your future, Steve. Yes, maybe I'll just start playing that format exclusively. <laughs> okay, so I can keep my Lamelo Luca pairing together. Any uh, parting thoughts from you before we go, Steve? I think we've hit twelve players. Got a little thrown off by my snafu but you get the general idea. We hit the fourth round guys. Any final thoughts? Not really. Uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of fourth round guys that are going to be solid fourth round guys. Again, that are going to go higher than, than the fourth round. So it, it's, it's almost like you could take some of those guys that are injury prone and getting older and flip them down to round four mm-hmm. and take some of the round four guys and flip them up to round three and, that's probably more what we'll see as far as draft order next year. Yeah, like Kristaps Porzingis is one injury-prone guy who, on a per-game basis, finished well above the fourth round, who you might want to lower down to this range, for example. Are we going to hit round five next next week? Do you want to? Are you going to keep this going? Should we do it? Yeah, I kind of like it. Round five next week. It's decided. That is going to do it for us, though, on this episode. I want to say thanks to... Everyone who is listening and watching live with us, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back here on Wednesday and Friday this week with more analysis from the playoffs, regular season as we continue to look back. And uh, that's going to do it. Steve, thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Matt, thanks. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Amica Insurance... We know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night. And building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.